0: Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Rick and Joni Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605 692 1430. 605 692 1430. With us today is Dr. Kelly Evans to answer your medical questions. Dr. Evans' specialty is internal medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Evans. Good
1: morning, Laura. How are you? Doing great. Good. Thank you.
0: Great to see you. How's your holiday season going?
1: Oh, it's here, isn't it? Right. I feel like it sneaks up a little quicker every year, but yeah. it's good. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. We... Um,
0: you know just working all the things into our calendar we actually had a family christmas on sunday oh wow and it was so fun just yeah. uh, we i've never done one quite that early before but it was really a great day mm-hmm. in some ways i think a little more relaxed because it's kind of spread out yeah. and we had a lovely Good. day with family so we're, we're starting already <laughs> so which which is fun for sure. Mm-hmm. Also, starting right now this season is the flu. Influenza. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen some charts that are a little bit alarming. What What are we seeing, Doctor? We're Evans? seeing
1: an earlier than usual high rates of influenza for sure, Laura. And I don't think we know why that is. Um, but I, here in Brookings, we are definitely seeing a lot of influenza. I think a lot of Sick kids, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. We've seen a lot of RSV too, um, from what I understand. You know, I I see adults, but a lot of just viral stuff going around and influenza is definitely among those. And you're right, the numbers so far in South Dakota are this is earlier than we've seen these numbers in a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I've seen these charts. Some of our listeners, I'm sure, have too. You know, Mm -hmm. we see this line graph and uh, this year is just growing much more quickly than yeah. we have seen in other years. And it was so unusual because last year rates were incredibly low, correct? Right. Yeah. Yes.
1: And the, honestly, the last couple of years we've had low rates and probably coordinating with the things that we did to m- mitigate the spread of COVID-19 in those years. Um, so I think a little bit unknown what we're going to see this year, but it does seem like we're seeing an early spike. For sure. A lot of influenza A is what what we've seen so far.
0: Okay. And Mm -hmm. so if we suspect that we might what are the symptoms of influenza? And if we suspect that we might have those, what should we do?
1: Yeah, so symptoms of influenza can be kind of generalized. A lot of people will have fever for sure. So fever, body aches, headache. But you can also have respiratory symptoms, the nasal congestion sore throat uh cough Mm -hmm. so more severe symptoms would include cough and more shortness of breath but a lot of people will have those generalized viral symptoms okay so i think a good rule of thumb if you have a fever stay home for Mm -hmm. sure um Mm -hmm. take your over the counter medications hydrate rest if you're someone so if you get you know if you're if you have a little baby at home with a fever or if you're older even over 65 with a fever Those are people that we know are higher risk. I would expand that to include people with other chronic conditions, chronic lung disease, chronic heart disease. If you have a fever, especially right now in season and have good reason to suspect influenza, it'd be a good reason to go in and be seen either at your primary care doctor or at an urgent care or whatever. Um, We we can generally test for influenza and get an answer back within an hour or two. Mm -hmm. Um, Those higher risk people sometimes might warrant the antiviral medication, oseltamivir or Tamiflu, Mm -hmm. Um, if there's if you're within that first forty eight hours, once you're outside that window, it's not effective. Okay. Um, to to lower risk of, of progression and hopefully shorten the course. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of other you know, otherwise healthy people it's supportive care, but we don't want you spreading that around either. So if you have that fever, generally what we say about influenza is fever free without medication for at least twenty four hours before you return to work or school. Okay. Um so, you know, that means use those ibuprofen and acetaminophen as you need to. Um, and then once you're feeling better, give it another 24 hours without medication. And then we're pretty confident that your risk of spreading illness is lower. Okay. And of course, wearing a mask will pr- decrease the risk of spread. So, sure. not a terrible idea to go back with a mask for that first day or two if, if it seems a little early.
0: Right. But a lot of
1: people will feel terrible. I mean, feel, of course, if you're home with a fever of 103, even if you're healthy, you feel crummy. Right. Um, So rest and take time at home. Don't rush back to school and work with influenza. Okay,
0: good advice. If we haven't yet had influenza and we want to protect ourselves, we should
1: get our flu shot. Yes. So, it's not too late. We're definitely okay. seeing influenza, but I've even got the question, okay, I had influenza A last week. I felt terrible. Should I still get my flu shot? And I would say yes, and and partly that's because our flu shot contains, you know, 3 to 4 subtypes of flu vaccine so even if you had one strain of influenza a now you know you're still vulnerable to get that influenza b in the spring or whatever so it's still worthwhile to get it um, if you don't have a uh, contraindication in getting the flu shot
0: all right and as one parent to all other parents, please remind your kiddos to wash their hands. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about that with my, I've been ta- I'm a bit of a germ freak. And so I've been talking to my kids about, you know, wash your hands before you have lunch and those mm-hmm. types of things. But if all of us can remind our kiddos of that, so we aren't spreading those things around the right. school, yeah, um, we would all appreciate that too. Yeah, so. yeah. and
1: I, I think, you know, if your kid has a fever, of course, I know it's hard on working parents, but keep your kids home mm-hmm. when they're sick. Um, um, and you know, at, you know, as a parent of young kids, I just, with the holidays approaching, you just don't want them to fall ill right, when the time right. comes for those family holiday gatherings and stuff like that. So there's only so much we can do, um, but yeah, we do our best to prevent the spread at school too. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, our prairie doc topic this week is cardiology. So after our break, we'll be talking about um, some different heart-related topics. But we're always happy to talk about whatever you would like to talk to talk about today, so give us a call at 605-692-1430, 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group.
2: Did you know that someone in the United States has a heart attack every 40 seconds? A heart attack happens when a part of the heart muscle doesn't get enough blood. You might hear a heart attack called an MI, or myocardial infarction. The more time that passes without treatment to restore blood flow, the greater the damage to the heart muscle. If you have pain in your chest, call for help. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group, Group Brookings, 697-9500.
0: Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605 692 1430. 605 692 1430. Before the break, Dr. Evans was filling us in on the flu and the rising cases that we have here in Brookings and in South Dakota. Uh, but our prairie doc topic this week is cardiology. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit now. Your essay this week, Dr. Evans, talks about
1: the importance of CPR and all of us staying up on our CPR skills. Yeah. Um, I'm. You know, we see, of course, in the hospital, the bad cases of cardiac arrest when patients have, you know, maybe suffered a heart attack or some reason for cardiac arrest at their home or outside the hospital. And really what we know impacts the longer-term survival of those patients is how much time they spent down without getting CPR. So, you know, the, the essay was really a plug to... People, general population, you do not have to be a physician or a nurse to learn CPR. Um, That's a skill that you can learn and carry with you and and really be a difference maker in an emergency if you you have the opportunity um, outside the hospital.
0: What a great set of tools to carry with you at all times, right? right? To be able to know how to do that. Legitimately,
1: this is something that any person could do that might save someone's life someday. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. And... CPR has changed and evolved uh, over the years Uh, I feel like I learned it, I don't know, maybe seventh grade health class. They brought sure. in the mannequins and we got to yep. practice the the pumping and the breathing and all of that. But it's really evolved uh, in the mm-hmm. past 20 years. Yeah, so. things change. I mean,
1: of course, yes. they, they're like everything in medicine. We try to study these things mm-hmm. and what seems to make the biggest impact on survival. So if you learned it 20 years ago, it, probably the recommendations are different for basic CPR in the field. Um, so it's worth up and. There's not really a substitute for actually Practicing chest compressions like you said On a mannequin and getting feedback On how is the speed Of this how is the depth of Of compressions because that actually Does matter Mm -hmm. Um, so It not never a bad idea to update your Skills Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: so I I understand the pump the the chest compressions are really what we focus on and the, yeah. the work of the heart is really what's being focused on yeah. now in cpr yeah
1: more so than you know i think cpr of old had more focus on giving breaths and stuff mm-hmm. like that and there is still some of that but the chest compressions if there's one thing it's the chest compressions are the most important thing okay and mm-hmm.
0: your essay um you mentioned if anyone's interested in updating their CPR, uh, you can check with your local hospital or with the Red Cross. So I did check with our local hospital, and uh, they have a class here at Brookings Health System coming up on December 14th. Uh, So if, like me, you need to update your CPR skills, that's available on uh, December 14th, and you can just find that on the Brookings Health System website calendar, and it's under Basic Life Support. And it sounds like they try to offer these classes about once a month. So if December doesn't work for you, uh, maybe you can put that on your New Year's resolution list to make sure you're up to date on your CPR training and can um, be available if needed. The other development in the last several years is these AED or yeah, defibrillators. Tell right. us about those if we are not familiar yeah, with Yeah, so
1: an AED is basically an automatic defibrillator. So you might see these hanging in a restaurant or out in a business, and certainly we keep them in a CPR card in the clinic or you know in the ambulance or whatever. These are different from defibrillators that we use in the hospital that are mm-hmm. a little more advanced and kind of require more medical judgment. But if if you have, there are a couple of heart rhythms that can be deadly that can be shocked out of that deadly heart rhythm with an AED. And so this is part of, if you do a CPR class, you'll get trained in use of an AED. Um, and if, like I like I said, and if, if you are... The decision maker about a business or a place Keeping one on hand is not a bad idea Because it can be another thing that is really important in that cardiac arrest situation
0: right now I understand it's certainly a financial investment to get one of those um I haven't I haven't researched this lately but in the past I know there were some grant opportunities available and that might be worth exploring for your organization for
1: sure I think those things still exist and I don't know the details of it but I'm sure you could find a little more information online about grants to get these machines Mm -hmm. um uh, and I'm not entirely sure of sort of the cost range of what they are otherwise. Right. But basically it's kind of a small box. It's probably, I don't know, less than less than twelve by twelve inch box. There's sticky pads that you put on on the patient's chest and that machine will sense whether is question one is this a heart rhythm for which a shock will work okay because some it doesn't work for everything but it'll sense that and if if it is a shockable rhythm as we'd say it will sort of tell the cpr actors to okay clear the patient this machine's going to shock and see if we can get this patient into a normal heart rhythm yeah yeah
0: I feel like I don't remember where but I feel like I've seen one in action somewhere um but yeah it does just kind of announce it's like a robot yep. type voice that yep. announces to you now do this now do this so yeah. it looks like it's really simple it is it's simple
1: to use and like a, it's something you can learn in in this few hour CPR class so yeah, mm-hmm.
0: so really life-saving yeah.
1: opportunities for us. So, all
0: right, I put it on my list. I'm going to get this done in the next couple of months. That's all right, a good, good for you, Laura. thing to do. So <laughs> I hope everyone listening will join me in uh, doing that as well. So you have to check with me in a couple months, see if I have that All right, right Dr. sounds Dr. good. Evans. I'll, Hold I'll me accountable. follow up on that. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> uh, last week, uh, Dr. Malmberg was here on mm. the radio, and he did a fantastic job talking with us about Uh, diet and exercise in general, this week we're talking about the heart and Mm -hmm. that I was wondering if you'd like to follow up on some of the benefits when we talk about diet and exercise specifically for the heart. Yeah, so
1: I think it's it's directly applicable when we're talking about heart health and that's specifically true. There are some problems that go wrong with the heart that are at random, you know, stiff heart valves, um, cardiac rhythm problems, But certainly one of the big things that we talk about with heart health has to do with arterial disease and plaque in the arteries and diet can affect those things Um, and exercise and just Mm -hmm. sort of having healthy cholesterol and and healthy blood pressure and preventing diabetes. So all of these things are related in, in a bigger way. You know, and secondarily, so if someone experiences a heart attack or does have an event that leads to them getting a stent um, to treat coronary artery disease, one of the major things that we do that we know helps people in the long run is cardiac rehab, which is essentially an exercise program that's monitored. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think on the show tomorrow, we're actually going to have a little feature of what is cardiac rehab and what does that look like? um, Because exercise is really important to to getting your heart healthier, even after it's been injured like that. Oh, okay.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Now when you say it's monitored, does that mean we're that the, the Participants are wearing monitors? Yeah. So okay. the
1: participants, it's monitored by nursing and respiratory trained staff. So okay. the first phase initially after a heart attack or an event like that is done, for example, at the hospital here in Brookings. Um, so you've got monitors on, you're getting your blood pressure and your heart rate monitored, and there's a nurse present. Um, and you're, you might be walking on a treadmill or using some sort of other exercise equipment, kind of starting slow and gradually picking up the intensity of your exercise a few times a week.
0: Okay, Mm -hmm. got it. And then grow from there. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: important to sort of restoring better health to your heart after it's undergone a major event like that. Okay, Mm -hmm.
0: And so as far as prevention goes, uh, are there certain types of exercise you would recommend specifically for the heart?
1: Yeah. So the I mean, the the American Heart Association, along with several other associations, would recommend aerobic exercise. So that's something that's sort of getting your heart rate up in a target range and sustaining that. 150 minutes a week. So that might be 30 minutes, five days a week. Um, so it, it's, n- it's not a small task, especially right. if you're starting from zero. And I, what I would say to people, if you're starting from not exercising, which, you know, I'll, plenty of us do, especially in December in South Dakota, mm-hmm. you don't have to get there right away. You mm-hmm. know, start with 10 minutes at a time. Um, and walking, if you're able to walk, is a great place to start. Um, so start with walking 10 minutes or 15 minutes a day. And you'll find that if week by week, if you do that and you're consistent about it; it won't. You'll get to thirty minutes at a time or more than that. Um, but don't you know you don't have to feel like you have to bite that all off in your first go around here, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And when it comes to our diet, what should we be thinking about for our heart?
1: Yeah. So heart healthy diet. The, you're right. There's so many different. I'm using hand quotes here. Diets out there. Right. Um, probably the one that has the most evidence when it comes to. Um, heart health is actually the Mediterranean diet, which, you know, you can look up, but it essentially sort of has low bad fats in it, but not no fat. So it's mm-hmm. not a low fat diet per se. It just has good fats from fish, nuts. Olive oil, those kinds of things. Um, not some of these diets are, depending on where you live, can be a little more challenging. You know, we don't have fresh fish in South Dakota all the time, unless you know maybe you're an ice fisher and mm. then maybe you do have access to to fresh fish. Um, but sometimes we have to modify that to match what we're what, what food availability we have to. But you know, you could look up information on the Mediterranean diet and find some pretty good information out there. Mm-hmm. And there's right. principles that even if you're not a strict adherent to the Mediterranean diet, maybe you can modify that sort of the the bad fats from red meats or something and and substitute in some things even if you're not wholeheartedly into that right yeah
0: got it well it's time for us to go to our next break we thank you for listening to prairie doc radio on kbrk and on our podcast call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avira Medical Group.
2: If you have diabetes, these lifestyle changes can help lower your risk for heart disease. Follow a healthy diet. Eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, lean protein, and whole grain. Aim for a healthy weight. If you're overweight, even losing a modest amount of weight can lower your triglycerides and blood sugar. Get physical activity. Try to get at least 150 minutes per week of moderate-intensity physical activity, such as brisk walking. Manage your ABCs, A, your A1C test, B, keep your blood pressure below 140 over 90, and C, control your cholesterol levels. S stands for stop smoking or don't start. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Call your provider with questions or to set up an appointment 697-9500.
0: Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-14 Thirty, Dr. Evans, we have a question here. What are
1: the signs
0: of a heart attack and how do they differ in men and women? Yeah. So
1: classic signs of a heart attack tend to be chest pain or pressure kind of right in the middle of the chest. That might radiate into the neck or into the left arm would be classic Sweating, dizziness, shortness of breath, all those things can occur. Um, and th- th- so that would be classic. Okay. You're right. Not everyone experiences classic signs of a heart attack. And we know that women probably have less. Um, and actually, depending on what vessel the heart the heart attack is in, symptoms might differ too. So some people might experience what seems like indigestion type of pain or mm-hmm. heartburn type pain um, that that might be mistaken for, you know, an esophageal or a GI source of, of pain. And sometimes that delays people going in. Um, some people might just experience even sort of nausea or dizziness. I would say, you know, if if that's those are things that sort of intensify despite what you would normally expect to go away, it's not the wrong thing to get checked out. And certainly knowing what your risk is, because, you know, the your risk status kind of matters when it comes to if we think heart attack is high on the list or not. And so that involves age. Do you have risk factors like hypertension, high cholesterol, diabetes, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Are those conversations you have with your patients at their
1: yeah, regular exams? So, yeah, I mean, exams? I think one place that we have that conversation a lot is when it comes to, you know, maybe if we're checking your cholesterol annually and talking about, you know, are you someone who might benefit from being on a cholesterol medication? We sort of try to take a global estimate of someone's cardiac risk because that's really that's the reason we put people on cholesterol medications generally speaking is decreasing your risk of a heart attack or other things like a stroke in the long term Mm -hmm. so those are conversations that probably should be had annually certainly family history might go into that a little bit as well so a conversation you know to have have with your primary care provider about what is my risk of things like heart disease
0: so if we do suspect having these some of these symptoms and mm-hmm. it could possibly be a heart attack, what do we do next? Do we call 911? Do we yeah. come into the clinic? I mean, do if we- it,
1: yeah, I think, you know, the clinic, we certainly can make, the, we do occasionally make the diagnosis of heart attack in the clinic. We oh, have, most clinics have the capability of doing some lab and EKG, but it's not as quick and not as sort of efficient as in the emergency department. So ideally, if, you know, if you're worried about a heart attack, probably the emergency department in most cases is your best bet.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, because as a reminder, we want to get that dealt with quickly because we're talking about blood flow to the brain, right? Is that well? So,
1: the- in cardiac arrest, when the heart okay. isn't pumping, so when someone loses consciousness, we're talking about blood flow to the brain. In a heart attack, it, assuming the patient is still conscious and and breathing, we're talking about blood flow to the heart. But you're, you're it, the same principles apply. The longer okay. that blood flow is disrupted to the muscle of the heart, the more potential damage the heart can. Incur, mm-hmm. so making that diagnosis swiftly is still really important for sort of long term outcomes.
0: And then, how is a heart attack treated? Yeah, go so to the hospital. Yeah, so
1: it it depends a little bit on the details um, and and how severe the heart attack is. The most severe type of heart attack called an ST elevation MI or STEMI is treated pretty aggressively. So if you're in a place where there's a cath lab, um, so for example, if you're in Sioux Falls and go to one of their emergency departments and you have quick access to a cath lab, it's getting that person to the cath lab quickly, hopefully Mm -hmm. within an hour of presentation, um, and restoring blood flow. So finding where the blockage is and putting a stent to open up the artery, okay? Um, If you're in a more remote location, and this is even true in Brookings, South Dakota, that might actually involve getting a medication that kind of busts the clot, similar to what we use in a stroke, and then transferring to a location where you can undergo that angiogram and and a stent if if it's warranted. Um, but if you're if you're, you know, a, several hours from getting to a cath lab, which is true in most of our state of South Dakota, we can't wait long enough for to, you know, the few hours to get an ambulance to, to the cath lab. We need to treat that more quickly. Mm-hmm. Now some heart attacks are not in that category. And and then we put people on blood thinners like heparin quickly and within the next couple of days, get them to the cath lab. We have a little more time to deal with those. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. And as,
1: of course, if you're worried about a heart attack, one thing you can do even at home is take a full dose aspirin, which is 325 milligrams or it's four baby aspirin and chew those because oh. aspirin quickly is one of the treatments that we do. And if an ambulance arrives at your house and they're worried about that, they will give that to you right away too. Ah,
0: okay. Great advice. Thank mm-hmm. you. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Give us a call at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group.
2: Influenza has made its appearance. If you have not received a flu shot, get one now. Symptoms of influenza are fever, fatigue, Cough, runny nose, body aches, and decreased appetite. Generally, influenza makes you feel much worse than the common cold. If you have questions about influenza, call your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings six nine seven nine five zero zero.
0: Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605 692 1430. Dr. Evans, we have a question here. How effective are stints in preventing further heart attacks?
1: Ooh, that's a loaded question, Laura. There have been a lot of research into this topic, okay. so I'll try to tackle it in two minutes. So, There's mixed data on this, actually. So now we're talking about someone who has plaque in the arteries but is not having a heart attack. And if they go to the cath lab, how effective is a stent in preventing a future heart attack? There's a lot of cumulative data that says there's not a big effect as far as preventing heart attack and death. It can improve symptoms, meaning improve exercise tolerance and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But actually getting a stent may not be a lot more effective than just being on the right set of medications for your coronary artery disease. Now, there have been some studies that maybe show a little benefit to those interventions, but I think it's still a question. I think that the the big cardiology centers are going to be doing research on this for years and years because it's not that clear that it's a lot more. So medicines are really important. Okay. Um, But talk to your cardiologist. Of course, there are unique situations and there may still be very good reasons to get a stent um, in uh, in those situations that might help you feel better. Uh, But I tell people it's not necessarily a life-saving procedure for everybody.
0: So if I'm hearing this correct, the stint might help you more with your daily life and yeah, just might, kind of was, being able to do your exercises. Right, and, might help
1: you with symptoms a little quicker than medication okay. will help you with symptoms over the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, but mixed data on whether they actually prevent death, prevent heart attacks. Right. Great question. Yeah,
0: really interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, you have an exciting show planned yeah. for uh, tomorrow night on Prairie Duck television program. Mm -hmm. You want to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So we're going to have two expert cardiologists here tomorrow. We have Dr. Wegener and Dr. Waterbury, both from North Central Heart and the Avera Heart Hospital. Um, And, you know, cardiology is interesting. I think of all the fields of medicine in which advancing technology has made, you know, really visible changes in that practice, cardiology is at the top of the list. Lots of cool sort of devices and procedures to talk about that people might have questions about. And um, I think um, these physicians will be great and be able to answer a lot of questions. I'm sure we'll have a lot of questions. Excellent. Yeah.
0: Well, before we go, please do be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. This week on Thursday, December 8th, the Prairie Doc show will be Rhythm and Flow Understanding the Cardiovascular System. Prairie Doc host Dr. Kelly Evans is joined by Dr. Wagner and Dr. Waterbury from North Central Heart. So tune in tomorrow night on SDPB Television. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow The Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Kelly Evans for joining us today. As Dr. Home would say, stay healthy out there, people.